Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and to talk about Psalm 41, I'm joined once again by Aaron Antone. I found this conversation really helpful in naming the ways that this psalm reminds us that we both have so many questions about how God works, and that those very questions are also an invitation into deeper exploration of who he is and who we are. I get to talk with Aaron here about weaving short parts of the psalm into our days. We discuss the ways that Jesus picks up this psalm and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. To start us off, here's Aaron reading Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who has shared my bread, has turned against me. But may you have mercy on me, Lord. Raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Aaron, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Matt, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, it is my pleasure. I I always appreciate having you read a psalm because I feel like you're tapping into some of that English major background. Oh, yeah. This is is where the big bucks that I spent on that English (laughs) degree are really paying off. (laughs) <laughs> they come for this uh, completely free podcast <laughs> decades later. That's right. Curious Psalms. That's right. Well, this yeah. is this is the end of book one. I I looked I looked into that. I thought it must be nearly the end, and sure enough, here we are. Yeah. So for listeners who don't know, the Psalms are broken into these five books. So here we come to the end. We've had lots of Psalms of David. There's other books that also have Psalms of David, and then there are some that have fewer. How's that for some observations? <laughs> it is, though, why the psalm ends the way it does. Uh, each book apparently has some kind of culminating bringing back to praises. Oh, yeah. So the end of the psalm is actually also, I think, purposely edited to end the book, which is kind of interesting. Interesting. But... Kind of how some some of the epistles kind of end, right? As, as ending sure. in letters. Like yeah, yeah. A, kind of a peace out. Yeah, like a benediction kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, benediction, sure. peace out, kind of the same thing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Exactly the same. <laughs> Blessing, peace out. Yeah. We're going to start probably ending services like that. Well, shall we dive in? Love to. All right. First question, as always, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, th- you know, I wasn't super familiar with this one, but I'm kind of uh, glad I got to kind of study it a little bit today. So the thing that stood out to me was verse six. When one of them, he's talking about his enemies, when one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it around. And I thought, this happens to me all the times in the Psalms, but it's like, I, I think there are these concepts that are sort of locked into modern 
you know, 21st century American life. And uh, then you read about this stuff that's happening to the psalmists and you're like, oh, this is nothing new. Oh, yeah. This has been going on forever. Right. So the idea of gossip and slander and people just making stuff up about you, whether it's for their own gain or for your your destruction, is nothing new. And I, I think that was kind of, I thought that was interesting to see that just very distinctly stated in this psalm. Yeah, absolutely. There is a yeah, very contemporary feel to that. I don't know whether it's a translation thing. Yeah, translation or just like also like in our world, like the way that news cycles work now where it just feels like there is kind of a constant monitoring. Like you can, how to put this exactly, but there was something about the idea of people coming, seeing someone and then sort of reporting out. Like then he goes out and tweets it, like almost feels, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was this instinct to not only kind of gather Right. To kind of gather the news, but then also spread it around does feel so, so much like us. Yeah, that's true. I get the image that someone's coming sort of into, into his gates. Right. And this whole speaking falsely means like he's this, this person, this enemy was there with ill intent from the beginning. So he's right. like, I'm just here to kind of get the goods on you yeah. so that I've got something to knock you down with later. Yeah. And you can imagine, I mean, so much of this it seems like he's sick, right? So there's like a, oh, I'm so sorry you're feeling so oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, when was the last time you got out of bed? Kind uh, of thing. Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah, then goes out and you see, in some sense, this is sort of how you might lay the lay the basis for a coup, right? You begin to say, oh, the king is too sick. Like, he'll never, he'll never get up again. Yeah. So your reenactment just now, a stellar, it was, <laughs> thank by you. the way. Thank you. <laughs> but it reminded me of like the Judas kiss moment a little bit like where Judas comes up and he's yeah. like embracing Jesus, gives him a kiss, like, oh, it's so good to see you. But what's really on his heart is something much darker. Did you know that this, this might've been just a brilliant biblical moment for you, but uh, Jesus quotes this Psalm in John 13, when he tells the disciples, when he tells them that he's going to be betrayed. No, I didn't know that. He actually quotes that verse nine, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread has turned oh, against me. Of course. Me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Isn't that interesting? No, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't put that together either. I had, had to have someone else <laughs> put that together, but it's exactly right. I think like, wow. I love the way that you, yeah, heard that echo, right? Because it's a repeated motif and it's contemporary to us as well, isn't it? I'm, I always like being smarter than I think I am. Oh, that's that was, always a pleasant surprise. That was like beautifully brilliant. <laughs> I was like, wow, look at that. Look well, at those connections. Those, well, the, and, and you know, it's not the only parallel I feel like to the New Testament for obvious reasons. Right. Of course, this was Jesus knew the Psalms well, but I have another thought on that later. Okay. We'll, we'll circle back okay, to that. Okay. It's really funny that you pointed to verse six because that was actually in my notes. I, I just thought the line, while his heart gathers slander was just really evocative. Like yeah. hats off to the English translators. Whatever the Hebrew uh, is doing, like that's just a particularly poignant way to put that. Yeah. Um, and just, there's, there's also a, just as, a, as an English major, again, this yeah. is paying off, but the, like the, the poetic sort of rhythm of that, gathers slander, like that phrase, his heart gathers slander, has some real, it has this like slimy like tone to it, uh -huh. which I really like. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Good, good on the uh, translation. But then, of course, like this, in some sense, we're focusing on like the middle part, which is bracketed by these other pieces. And so one other thing that stood out to me was verse four, I said, have mercy on me, Lord, heal me for I have sinned against you. And particularly that verse in conversation with verse 11, I know that you are pleased with me for my enemy does not triumph over mm. me. And 
I kind of had to wrestle with that because I think one of the challenges sometimes when we read the Psalms is we are looking at like multiple perspectives. So in other words, this Psalm seems to be written in a perspective of someone who has experienced this and is looking back because there's sort of the end points us towards like there's been some kind of deliverance, right? There's a vindication, but we're kind of placed in the midst of it. And so at first I was like, well, how at first you're saying sort of I'm sick, have mercy on me because I've sinned. And then at the end, you're like, I know you're pleased with me. How do those two fit together? I think part of the story is sometimes to realize that Psalms, not always, but some of the Psalms are helping us tell a story, right? It's actually walking us through an entire experience. And so the juxtaposition of those two kind of forced me to step back and think, okay, what's what's actually going on? Oh, yeah. Going on here. Yeah, that's 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 cool. It's a good observation. I also feel like there's almost a dialogue happening because Mm. like a lot of Psalms, there's, you know, there are lines in quotes it's hard to do like when you're reading it you know auditorily but there's he, he'll say this almost say i i said i have mercy on me lord yeah. my enemies say of me when will he mm-hmm. die and then it's just sort of this back and forth dialogue kind of throughout the thing none yeah. of which would have been there in the original hebrew interestingly so those are all choices so i was reading oh. one thing that said like that opening like in some sense verse four that same speech is being continued in verse 10 and in some sense the bracket they should not they should not close until after verse 10 because in fact, all of this is sort of report to God as part of a prayer, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Let's move on to our second question, which is what do we learn about God from this Psalm? Here's what I, here's what I think we learn is that we have more questions about how God works. Oh yeah. So like verse, you were talking about it earlier. Verse 11, I know that you are pleased with me for my enemy doesn't triumph over me. And then sort of as is often done in the Psalms, it's restated again, right? In a different, yeah. slightly different way. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Mm. And I thought, is that is that really how God works? Right. Um, and it's it's obviously not. Like we can do everything to please him. And sometimes enemies do triumph over yeah. it. So this is something I sometimes wrestle with in the Psalms. It's like, it sounds sometimes seems conditional. Like if, yes. because because I'm faithful to you, God, you you deliver me, and I'm not totally sure that that math work works out in reality. Yeah, and I and I I wonder I wonder about like what poetic kind of stuff is going on. Right. Any thoughts? I have thoughts. I kind of want to come back to that actually when we talk about how it helps us pray. But I do think it's it's like one of the most interesting things in wrestling with the Psalms to me right. anyway. Right. Uh, is the certainty that David repeatedly or the psalmist repeatedly has. Yeah. It happens in many psalms, like you were saying. Yeah. This like, oh, like, great. Like, because I was this way or because I was this. And I think we're probably maybe slightly more comfortable with it when the psalmist is confessing something and saying, I'm to blame. We're may- Like, that's maybe slightly more comfortable, though still a little uncomfortable in some ways because we don't want to get into, like, the, oh, you're sick you know, what's the unrepentant sin in your life? It's almost always uncomfortable when it's, oh, because I was faithful, you have blessed me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's at least I tend to find myself when I'm reading. So like this, this end where it's like, oh, because of my integrity, which I'm sort of like, well, aren't we all broken? (laughs) Like, yeah, like you're kind of lauding yourself pretty significantly (laughs) here. So and and I'm not I, I don't have the Psalms memorized well enough to to point exactly to a reference. I'm sure I could find it if I looked, but there I think there are lots of instances also of this this happened this happened this happened this happened yet i will still praise you yeah right so it kind of works both ways yeah <laughs> well, i like what you said i think that's exactly right like 
one of the things we learn about God is that we have more questions for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that seems really true. Yeah. 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 I, I thought, too, the opening verses of this psalm are really interesting. They have this beatitude feel. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. Oh, nice. Just showing Matt my notes. I also had Beatitudes written there. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things I found interesting is the Psalms often, they talk a lot about the oppressed. They talk a lot about the afflicted. They talk a lot about God's care for those, which is unquestionably an emphasis of the Bible throughout. God is always on behalf of these people. Right. And many theologians have talked about him having kind of a, like a beautiful, generous preference for these people. Like God is looking out for the people in the margins. What I find interesting here is that this psalm presents us a world where there is also room for the strong. In Mm. other words, it's not to the exclusion of the strong that the weak are blessed or that these people are blessed and cared for by God. But the ones who are incorporated, quote, kind of into the kingdom, so to speak, are those who have regard. Regard for the weak. For the weak. You know, I didn't catch it on my first reading because it just seems like... Some sometimes like my brain fills in the blanks. Yes, blessed right. are you see the week at the yes, end. Okay, so I it's totally blessed the week. But yeah. then I read it my second or third time through. Those who have regard for the week, and it really does change yeah. the message there. Yeah, and so this this whole idea, I think that's just a helpful counterbalance and also a reminder. Like it's not just blessed are <laughs> blessed are the strong, blessed yeah. are the powerful, but it's those who actually use use their power, and that's surely part of the integrity that David is making the case for. Yeah. In himself because David is David is interestingly in this psalm I can't work out in those opening verses where he's fully identifying with (laughs) does this make sense like yeah he's clearly sort of sick in the middle part of the psalm so there is a sense in which he is the weak but then he is also the strong and in fact verse 3 seems to be talking about him himself because it uses language like the Lord sustains them on their sickbed so there's this interesting kind of double play where David as the psalmist actually is occupying both both roles but I just thought that was a helpful reminder that you know the the Bible repeatedly has leanings in directions I think because of its own context and the people who write it but that it's always calling people to justice and there's always room in God's kingdom for people of justice I think think is uh, hugely helpful so there yeah, you go I love it that that's great our last question yeah and maybe we can return too to some of your questions as we talk about this. But how does this psalm help us to pray? You know, I I I kept this I kept this one simple. Yeah. I thought what what I really what I what stands out to me as essentially a, a prayer in and of itself, just kind of a Kyrie eleison, is verse four. Mm. I said, "Have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you." There's, there's not a single prayer I don't think that we pray that we couldn't find a place for that. You know, those two lines. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's one of the, the greatest gifts. I just have a book that Kevin gave me. Actually, Neil Planting has written these morning, and evening prayers. Mm. And in the introduction, he just talks uh, briefly about kind of some of the gifts of reading and using other people's prayers and the ways that it can expand his prayer life it can uh, he talks about sometimes my spiritual life flags and so then it's helpful to sort of read the psalms and you see other flaggers he calls them (laughs) it's like this kind of okay we're all in this together kind of thing but one of the practices that he talked about is sometimes he'll read you know an entire prayer and there's a particular phrase or line that then kind of stands out and then he sees how how he can weave that through the day yeah and certainly I think those lines, right, have that kind of quality. Have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me for I have sinned against you. 
you know, before we started at Granite Springs to kind of get some traction in, you know, pre-written prayers, you know, when you grow up, a lot of people like in in an evangelical tradition have like, they're expected to kind of make this stuff up on the spot. And if the spirit's with you, then you've got the words to pray. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we just don't have the bandwidth for that. And we should be leaning on the wisdom and and the words of people before us. Yeah. It's something we, we do at Granite Springs and and uh, I didn't think actually that extends to like music as well, like how song lyrics can kind of stick with you. Oh, and yeah. When you don't have the, the right words to pray, they're often like songs that you can pray as well. So the idea of borrowing words from other people in order to talk to God or talk about God is uh, an ancient, ancient thing. Yeah. Um, I have this funny thing that happens to me. I don't know if I've told you this before, but, you know, as part of kind of there's various loops in our worship planning process and one of those loops is eventually i see a worship guide and you've selected the songs and so i see that and so i don't really make much of a mental note of what they are other than oh okay like that's what's coming often i'll wake up sunday morning and just have kind of a song in my head and kind of be singing it or whatever and rachel rachel will sometimes ask oh are we singing that today and i'll think oh actually we are (laughs) like i don't it's it's like so which speaks i think to like the ways that these things also just operate beautifully and form our subconscious that like i just wake up and without like i saw i saw the words or i saw the title you know three days ago and the key refrain or something has been triggered by even just the title of the song oh wow right it's always kind of weird and neat when that happens it's like oh that's great i guess this this was meant to be so then it all just becomes part of your how you think of the service is before it even happens. Yeah, I'm being yeah. led into it. And yeah. often, like most of the time without realizing, I want to circle back to like your question about David's certainty and how and how that raises questions. Because when I thought about how this helps us to pray, I looked at that same verse and I, I also thought when he says, I know that you're pleased with me, my yeah. immediate question was, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not because I'm not dead yet. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's like okay, but couldn't you have just gotten better? Like in other words, like David and consistently throughout the Psalms has such he has such a God infused perspective. And if we're, I think we have a couple of options, right? One option is to either kind of relegate that to like poetic license, like he's looking back and saying, kind of observing in the moment. The other option is like. David has some clarity about the ways that God is working in his life, right? And I think there's no reason to not think that that's necessarily true. Yeah. When I think about that, though, I also realize I don't have that kind of that kind of perspective, that kind of clarity. I I certainly don't feel comfortable (laughs) saying to someone, you know, oh, like, well, it's because of my integrity that you know (laughs) things are going well for me. (laughs) <laughs> or like, oh, my uh, my son recovered from illness because I prayed to the Lord. But, you know, I think this is just me kind of sitting with it and processing a little bit. I'm like, maybe, maybe that's possible. Yeah. Maybe that kind of sort of in tune kind of way of seeing our world. And maybe for David, he had clarity when like it was just a bad day. And yeah. it was like, well, like today just sucked versus yeah. like, oh. God's teaching me something. I think I think there's a lot of mystery bound up in how in the relationship between David and God that we are not ever really going to fully understand. And that I think that whole relationship and David's recounting of it in the Psalms is just kind of a gift to future Christians, future believers. I mean, I I also think it's interesting to note that 
Dave's not saying, I know that you're pleased with me. That's why, you know, I've got this two great cars in the garage and steady income <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and, yeah, you know, yeah. and I go to Cancun every year. It's, <laughs> it's he's all he's saying is my enemies aren't trying to triumph you know, over yeah, me, yeah, right? Right. or uh-huh. I'm in your presence. And that could mean a million things. He could mm-hmm. be on his deathbed and still say, I'm grateful to be in your presence. God. Right. And my enemies didn't triumph over me, even though like, you know, a couple of days away from death. Right. So it might be just an idea of what the context is for what he's grateful for or what he's been gifted. Yeah. But the very ambiguity, at least to me, I think it, it I find it intriguing and I find it something that I want to pray for. If that makes it like yeah. it feels like an invitation into prayer, which I think is the I think that's the way mystery is supposed to work. Like mystery isn't at least in our faith supposed to be sort of a, like a throw up our hands like, oh, well, I give up. It's yeah. like a, 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 you, it's an invitation in and deeper, not necessarily always to clarity. Right. 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 Into kind of deeper relationship and exploration. So, well, it keeps you, I think it keeps you exploring It keeps you right. invested and engaged. Yeah. If you got it figured out, then you check it off your list and move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but if there's a mystery, you kind of want to keep digging and yeah. obviously spend your life doing it. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. So maybe one day I'll be able to say, I know, I know <laughs> that you were pleased with me. Oh, well, thanks, Aaron. I wasn't familiar with the Psalm really at all either. So it was kind of fun to dig into and appreciate your, your perspective along the way too. It's a fun benefit of this whole project, right? To yeah, find for sure. some of these more obscure Psalms and jump in. And then forget about them again, you know, as you move on. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I can this... endlessly come back to them. Yeah, yeah. Right, it, so. it can be a, it can be a, a literal endless uh, rotation through them huh very much so well since this is the end of book one i think it's fitting to end with these final verses praise be to the lord the god of israel from everlasting to everlasting amen and amen friends go out and pray the psalms Mm -hmm.